All right. Next Saturday is men's breakfast. I heard John telling James, but it was uh, James had already invited you guys to go and greet one another. Next Saturday, men's breakfast. I hope that you'll come out. Men, it's free. We do have a donation thing out if you want to donate, but I don't keep track of who does, so you can get away with giving nothing. That's the beauty of it. No one even watches the jar. You could probably take money out of it. Nobody would even know. So come and take some money out of the jar or just give some. I don't care either way. I want people there. I don't care about the money. You can ask my church council. I really don't care about the money at all, ever. I'm always like, yeah, that's all right. We'll figure it out. Um, Luckily, you have a great church board who keeps us moving forward. Um, That's not even part of the message, by the way. If you've got your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 4. Oh, students, sorry about that. Middle school, high school. Go on, get out of here, you crazy kids. Just a bunch of crazy kids with a dream. And I hope to see you all tonight at youth group. All right, if you've got your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 4. We've been talking about temptation and um, the fact that Christ went into the, was baptized and then was tempted. And I'm actually going to read that scripture in case you haven't had a chance to uh, hear it or if you haven't been here for the whole series, I want you to be able to connect with that. But Luke chapter 4 is where I'm going to get in a moment. But for the past three weeks, we've looked at these things. We've talked about how Jesus faced temptation and you guys face temptation. So, you're like Jesus. Isn't it nice to finally be like Jesus in some way? I mean, some of you, I know, are a lot like Jesus. Me, I struggle to be like Jesus. But being tempted, whoo, I'm on the same page with Jesus. Good. And we talked a little bit about how the same temptations he faced are the things we face today. That really, his temptations, they're very specific, but it's really what we struggle with today. Significance having our needs not only met but exceeded. Power. We want power and wealth. And then we talked about preparing for temptation and how if you prepare your heart for temptation, you're going to be more ready to face and resist what comes along. And we talked about a few of the specifics that we do when we're preparing for temptation. And uh, spending time in prayer, spending time in the Word, spending time fasting, being around other Christians is also a way that we can strengthen ourselves because right after Jesus is, goes through the series of temptation in the wilderness he says he was hungry and he ate and then what does he do he calls his disciples because he realizes I've got to have people around me and a lot of people don't realize because it breaks it up by chapter but in his life it ends and then he goes and he starts calling people to follow him and then we talked about overcoming temptation and what it takes to be ready to stand fast so today I'm going to talk about three things that, as I was preparing for this, three things that I learned. Or maybe I knew them. I think I probably knew them, but they're things that it was like, oh, this is good for me to recall. So let's not call them three things you learned, because you guys are much more learned than I am. Let's call it three things that Jeff recalled as he was preparing this series. And maybe it'll help you recall them as well. So Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when he ended, he was hungry. Again, overstating the obvious. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, 
all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall not worship, or you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in the hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. I'm going to stop right there with what the devil said to him. Here's three things that were good reminders for me as I was working on this. Number one, Jesus views the devil as a real and actual force. He does not ignore him, but he also doesn't give him undue place or power. I grew up believing Maybe some of you came, especially if you came out of the Pentecostal holiness tradition. But I grew up believing that Satan was all-powerful and just waiting for me to mess up. Like, as soon as I blew it, bam, he was going to knock me. He was wanting me to blow it. He was standing there helping me blow it. I've got news for you. I can sin perfectly well without Satan right there next to me. However, Jesus views him and talks to him and his conversation with him. Satan and the power of darkness is real in this world. He knows where we're weak. He knows when we're weak. And when you pretend that he doesn't exist or just say, well, he's a metaphor for sin. No, he's not. He's real and he's right there. However, he's not all-powerful and he's not all-present and he doesn't get to decide or control you. You get to make the decisions. You get to make the choices. And the whole, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You wanted to do it, and you did it. So stop blaming somebody else. It's funny. We live in a world that that doesn't want to take responsibility for its own actions. Everything is somebody else's fault. Stop it. Take responsibility and say, you know what? I chose to sin. And you'll get a lot farther in your walk and understanding of how to change when you accept and acknowledge You're a sinner, and you chose to do that. Second thing that I gained is Satan mixes the truth and lies so smoothly together, it's hard to differentiate. But when Satan is giving scriptures, whether you realize it or not, he gives scriptures, but both of them he distorts, takes out of context, and slightly changes them. Every time he speaks in the scripture, whether we go to the Old Testament, we see that he speaks to Eve, where he adds things to what God said. He adds things too because he says, you know, God knows that if you do this, then you'll be just like him. Well, we all want to be like God. And he's so smooth and so subtle, but we buy into it so easily. And we begin to have a difficult time differentiating the truth and the partial truth, and what he's mixed in, not because we're not aware or alert, but because he so smoothly does it. Things in your life, it's so easy to say, it's okay for me to do this. And when we do that, we begin to justify our sin and make excuses because I deserve this because I've been really good. It's the old, I've dieted all week, so I deserve to eat a cake on Saturday. 
And some of us, that's how we live our lives. We, you know, I starve myself all week, and so now I get to do whatever I want. It's our cheat day, it's our whatever. And we do the same thing in our lives. Whether you realize it or not, we have a cheat day built in, even to our spiritual life. I've been good for so long that it's okay if I do this today. I haven't given in to this sin, to this temptation, to this thing, this thing that really does have a hold of me. And it's been, you know, 37 days since I looked at porn. It's been 41 days since I got drunk. It's been however, and so we start to say it's okay because I've done a really good job. I've been a good husband. I've been a good father. I've been a good employee. I've been this or that. So it's okay. Because we buy into the lie that we deserve this or that we're owed this. And the reality is we buy into that lie because it's so subtle. And I've been so good for so long that it's okay if I do this one thing. Third thing that stood out was sin has a pleasure component, but it is also filled with pain. Too often times we look and we go, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I don't get to do these things. But so many of the things that we don't get to do are because God loves you so much he doesn't want you to go through the pain that is caused by that action. Marriage is hard work, and you have to put effort into it. The point at which you quit putting effort into your marriage relationship or your, your parent-child relationship or whatever brother-sister relationship, the moment you quit putting something into it, it ceases to have life. But it's so hard that we don't want to. And it's so much easier to just go, well, I'm just going to do what brings me joy, what's easy, what doesn't take work. But see, all sin comes at a cost. Loneliness, decay of values and beliefs. It's easy to compromise when we don't hold on to the truth we know. This is not to pick on any one person, but I've heard it several times in the last Um, few weeks, but the speak your truth or live your truth. There's one truth. It can't be your truth. Your truth and my truth cannot be the same. Now, we can have difference of opinions on things that aren't concrete, on things that aren't settled. You guys may like, say, for instance, the Seattle Seahawks. I prefer the Packers of Green Bay. The, The beauty of this is that these aren't life or death matters. I mean, sometimes it feels like it on a Sunday afternoon in mid-November when you're on a playoff run. But in reality, these aren't life or death matters. But there's other things that, well, you know, my truth says that all gods lead to eternal peace. No, they don't. If that's the way it were, then the scripture would be a lie. And the moment at which we pick and choose what's true about scripture and what's not true about scripture, you have to throw it all out. It's the same thing C.S. Lewis said. Jesus is either a madman, a liar, or the Messiah, but you can't say he's a good man because a good man doesn't call himself the son of God. A good man doesn't deceive people into following him. He either is who he says he is or he's not, but he can't be something in between. And too often times, we want to walk this line that says, well, I'm not going to give this up because it's re- how harmful is it really for me? But we know that we've been called to give things up. And here's the interesting thing about that. There's things that you've been called to give up as a follower of Christ that either A, I've never been told to give up, or B, they don't even tempt me. I was talking with somebody recently and said, 
we were talking about drug addiction and struggles, and I said, yeah, it's difficult because I could walk into, and I literally have, places where there's heroin sitting on the table. And I'm not for a moment tempted to try it, to pick it up, to take it, to sniff it, to do anything with it. And there it is, just sitting right in front of me. And because I have free reign sometimes when we walk into a drug apartment or house, I could grab something and slide it in my pocket. They'd never know. This stuff isn't cataloged. It goes into a bag and gets destroyed. But it's not even a temptation to me. But I know other people that couldn't be in that situation. I don't think of them as weak. I think that they have struggles that I don't have. But you know what? There's things that I struggle with all the time. I'm selfish, and I'm greedy, and I'm self-minded. And I don't love my neighbor as well as I should. And sometimes I don't even put any effort into it. And yet, he says, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. And love your neighbor as yourself. And I violate the greatest commandment. And some of you guys love your neighbors so well. You struggle with things I don't struggle with, and I struggle with things you don't. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't look and say, I love you and I want to help you move on. But we've got to stop believing that sin doesn't come with a cost. It does. Luke 4, 12 and 13 tells us this. I stopped before it, verse 11, but here's what 12 and 13 says. It says, And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Here's the most important verse in this entire story, and I haven't read it yet because I was saving it for today. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. I've heard people say, well, it was easy for Jesus. He was only tempted three times. No. It tells us right there. He departed from him until an opportune time. Satan knows when you're weak, he knows where you're weak. And that's where he hits you. He knows when you're lonely. He knows when you're isolated. He knows when you're not in community with other believers. This has nothing to do with getting you to come to church every week. So if you think that's what I'm trying to get, no. What I'm trying to get is for you to understand we don't live a life in community with God outside of community with people. Because from the very beginning, he looks in man and says, it's not good that man should be alone. It's not just a verse about marriage. It's about being in community. It's about understanding and connecting. Because when you're not in community, you're not faced with the same struggles, but you're not seeing a fuller picture of God because every one of us is incomplete. Satan was not done tempting Jesus. Just as you will face struggles and temptations in your life as long as you live. They may change. They may lessen. But how many of you have thought, well, it's okay if I do this. It's okay if I compromise a little bit on my taxes because the government really does charge too much. It's okay if I do a little bit of speeding because I am late for my appointment. Ooh, now I'm getting close, huh? So a bunch of people get quiet on that one. It's okay if I cheat in this way just a little bit because, boy, it's hard. And cheat the boss just a little bit and get a little more overtime. And you know what? He underpays me anyway, so it really just all equals out. Without temptation, life would be easier. That's true. But in light of temptation, 
we can better connect with Christ and understand his human side. For those who don't understand Christ was fully human and fully divine, this is one of the greatest pictures we have of it. If he wasn't fully human, there'd be no need for Satan to tempt him. And if he wasn't fully divine, he couldn't have lived perfectly through this. Did you catch that? That's pretty good, isn't it? That's worth writing down if you're a writer. That shows both his humanity and his divinity. Because he looks and he faces the same temptations that you and I are going to face. And yet, he doesn't give in to any of them. And that, my friends, is a picture of who Christ is and how he came to be in relationship with you. Hebrews 4, chapter four or verse 14 through 16. It says, Seeing then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So here's some questions I ask myself. As Christians, should we be afraid of the devil? Because I was raised that you better be afraid because he's going to get you. And he's just waiting for you to screw up. He's there telling you what to do. You don't have to be afraid. He's real, but he has no power over Christ because Christ broke his power when he's tempted. Christ breaks his power when he dies and is resurrected. It says he goes to hell and takes the keys to death and to hell. Stop blaming the devil every time you get a flat tire or a backache, people. The devil is not attacking you like that. Do bad things happen in this world? Absolutely. Do good people get sick? Yes. Do people lose their jobs and have their car repossessed? Yep. Those things happen. But it's not the devil attacking you. Stop giving him so much power. It's arrogant. If you really believe that he's coming after you all the time. But it's foolish if you don't believe that he's going to be there to tempt you. It's a fine line. But his job isn't to hide your car keys. Okay? So stop it. And I grew up in a world where everything the bad happened. The devil was really after me this week. I had a flat tire and I was late for an appointment. Well, maybe you should have left earlier or maybe you shouldn't have 90,000 miles on those stupid tires. Right? I mean, can we be honest? I believe the devil is real, but I don't think I'm going to give him any, any credit for what happens in my life like that. So, what is my response when I sin? This is the critical part for us who want to be followers of Christ. Number one, we repent. Confess your sin to God and to those you sinned against. Second, restore. Apologize without making excuses or telling the other person why it's their fault. That's not an apology. That's a justification. And too often times people say, I'm sorry, but you did this. I'm sorry, but you made me do this. 
No. You're justifying your actions. You're not apologizing. You're putting it on them instead of taking responsibility for who you are. Third thing, renew. Begin again. Move forward. Be stronger and more prepared. Be prepared for what you're going to face. Know that it's coming. Know that temptation is going to be there. And whatever your struggle is, in that moment of weakness, in that moment of loneliness, in that moment of isolation, in that moment when you are tired and you are overworked and you have given more than you should have to give in your marriage, that's when it's going to hit you. Because that's when you're vulnerable. That's when you're weak. You want to move forward in life? Here's three things you don't ever do. Number one, justify your sin. Number two, blame others. Number three, the big one that I've run into is convince yourself it's not really sin. It's okay for me to do this because of blank. Well, it's not really a sin. You know, this is just a family trait. This is just who we are. This is just how I, it's how I was raised. Those are all just justification for us getting to keep doing wrong actions. Jeff, you don't know what my spouse is like at home. You may think they're nice, but they're not. I have heard that so many times in life. I cannot tell you. You may even be telling the truth if you've said that. But it doesn't justify. As Tracy's grandpa used to say, well, you got a blister. You're the one who has to sit on it. That's what he used to say about getting married. But the reality is when you convince yourself it's not sin, that it's okay, the government now says it's okay, this thing says it's okay, that one says it's okay, our son sends more damaging and destructive to us individually, to us as a person? Yes. I don't believe, A, I don't believe any sin is unforgivable. B, I don't believe anybody can do A, B, and C. They can't be a Christian because they still do whatever. Nope, that's not true either. You may be farther in your walk. You may read the scripture differently. That's why people say, well, you know, that person's not a Christian, and I always say, I do not judge. That is not my job. It's a good thing, too, because I'm way too judgmental. Somebody parks funny, and I start going, <laughs> shows me that they're not a good Christian. Take them up two spaces like that at the mall near Christmas time. It's just not my job to judge. It's my job to love, to ask questions, to persuade, for the Holy Spirit to convict. And at the end of the day, whatever they choose, I get to love them unconditionally anyway, which is way better for me. To not worry about whether or not they're doing this or not doing that, or they go to see this movie, or they don't go to this Bible study or whatever it is. Create opportunity for people to encounter Jesus. Love people so much that they want to encounter Jesus. And then show Jesus to people every time I can. Those are my job. So to tell people because of your lifestyle, because of your choices, because of your decisions, you can't be a follower of Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Come one, come all to hear, to be loved. And then from there, maybe I speak into your life in some way. But more importantly, hopefully the Holy Spirit speaks into your life. I've had people want me to go and, and say, you know, 
this or that. And sometimes when, when somebody says something, I have gone and said, hey, this is really troubling. You know, this is something that's been observed. But at the end of the day, it's between them and the Holy Spirit what they do with it. It's my job to put my arms around them and say, I love you and I'm glad you're here, but I want the best for you. If we'd spend more time reaching our arms out to put them around people, we'd find a lot of the things that cause us to justify our own sin would slip away. Stop convincing yourself it's not sin because it doesn't hurt anybody else. Because really, it's just between me and God. Which it is. But maybe the Holy Spirit, even today, is telling you, you've got to change this. This behavior, this action, this choice. I'm not up here telling you to change it. I'm just saying if you hear that voice inside you, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today and saying, I want more for you. Because again, God loves you exactly as you are, but he loves you way too much to let you stay the same. If you don't understand what I was talking about today with a personal relationship with Jesus or the fact that you can have a connection with God and you want to talk more about that, I would love to talk with you about that. But if you know me at all, let's sit down and have coffee or breakfast this week and actually talk about it. Because I believe faith is a journey, not a one-time decision. But I invite you, grab my card in the lobby, get my number afterwards, set something up with me. Because I want to talk with you about what it means to have that personal relationship with Jesus if you've never done that. If you're struggling in your relationship with Jesus, let's get together. Let's connect. Let's see that there's hope for you. Yes, if there's hope for me, I know there's hope for you. Because God loves you so much. And he looks down and he says, yes, you're going to be always tempted, but you don't have to be giving in to the same things over and over and over again. There's freedom from that. Father God, I thank you for this day and I thank you for every person that's in this room. God, I pray that we would know you more, see you more, and that our lives would be marked by you. God, for those areas where we've convinced ourselves it's okay because of blank. Or we tell ourselves it's not really sin because it's a family thing. It's all right that I do this because the government says it's okay. It's okay because I'm lonely and sad and I need something to fill that loneliness and that emptiness. God, in those areas in our life, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us today. That we would see those things and we would talk with somebody find some accountability, find a way to move beyond that and get that out of our lives. Because in the darkness, sin flourishes, but in the light, it's defeated. Father God, I just pray a blessing over every person of gathering place today. God, for those who are sick, and I know there are many that are sick that aren't even here, but God, for those who are sick, we pray for healing just to pour out upon them right now through your Holy Spirit. God, for those who are struggling financially, I pray that you would meet and exceed what they need, Father God, so that they can be a blessing to others in their community, in their neighborhood, in their household, and through this church. God, I pray for those who are looking for a job because they're unemployed or they're underemployed. God, I pray that you would open the doors for that this week. Lord, I pray that we would be a community that hears of the need, finds a way to help meet that need. God, I pray for those who are um, just struggling today with 
isolation and loneliness, and they've been filling it with something, and they know that it's empty, but at least it's something. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just help them today to see that you have more of a plan for them. And God, I thank you for every person who calls Gathering Place their church. Lord, let them know you, let them see you, let them experience you in a real way, and I thank you and praise you, God, for all you're doing in us and through us. In your name, amen. Hope to see you again real soon. Don't forget, next Saturday is men's breakfast. And a week from Wednesday is our night, our family night at Pattison's West. Um, In case you didn't know, Pattison's West is because there used to be a north and an east. Fun fact, you can learn that on their website. Um, Neither north nor east exist. West is just hanging on. Come on, West. Come out and join us. You say, Jeff, I've never skated in my life. What better time to learn than at age 47 or however old you are? Number two, you don't have to skate. You can come, get a cup of coffee, tell them you're there with your kids, your grandkids, your your friends, and they won't even charge you if you're not skating. And you can sit there and just talk with other people in our church. And as James mentioned, you can watch people fall. It's a good time. If it wasn't, I don't think YouTube would be quite as successful. You love to watch people fall. Anyway, come on out and join us. Again, that's March 7th. I would love to see you, your family, your friends. Come on out and just be together. Thanks. Have a great week. We'll see you again soon.